As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Greetings and welcome back to One True Pod, the Athletics Big 12 football podcast. I'm Jason Kersey. Max Olson, my usual co-host, is on paternity leave. He and his wife just had a baby boy, so congratulations to them. We're thrilled for Max, uh, very excited for him. He's also probably not getting much sleep right now, so if he listens, uh, hello Max, we miss you. Um, But in his place, we have a more than capable guest co-host today, Scott Docterman. He covers the Iowa Hawkeyes for us, but also fills in on our Iowa State coverage sometimes. And that is why uh, we've asked him to come on today, because we're talking about Matt Campbell. Scott, welcome to One True Pod. Hey, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. We ran into each other when it was, uh, you know, in the Iowa State uh, press box back in September before the, the Big Ten actually decided to come back to the field. So I'm always Glad to be looking at you and talking to you, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, It's great to see you as well. And, you know, the main reason we wanted to come on, we're going to get in. The Big 12 Conference just released uh, its 2021 schedule literally 10 minutes or so before we started recording. So we're going to get into that here uh, here towards the end of the pod. But our main topic today we wanted to talk about is Matt Campbell, uh, Iowa State coach, receives a contract extension through 2028. Uh, terms of the deal were not released, but uh, he has been guaranteed another $3 million for his assistant coach salary pool, which is a huge thing, uh, especially when you're trying to build a program like Iowa State. So, uh, Scott, I, I I just don't think we can emphasize how big a deal this is, that Iowa State has got him signed through 2028. Now, we know coaches can get out of contracts, and they always find a way out, and there will be buyouts and all those sorts of things, and, and, and I think – Everyone expects that Matt Campbell will continue to be a hot name for big jobs as they come open. However, the fact that he agreed to sign a deal through 2028 is an unquestioned good thing, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, this is a this is a program that really is void of much, much history. Um, that generally, when before Matt Campbell, if they went six and six and went to a bowl game. It was a cause for a celebration, and they go and and take over different environments. I was with them once when um, out in New York when they went to the Pinstripe Bowl after a six and six year, and it was it was a big deal that they got to go to a bowl game and and for Matt Campbell to to step in and basically erase everything that had happened to that program and start over 
I think was really important for uh, for Iowa State to, to re- recognize that, to lock him up, and then to, to continue to realize that everybody's going to have him on his radar, on their radar, whether that's major college institutions or the NFL, because I know NFL teams have come after him all you know for the last couple of years really hard and also some other major colleges and he's come close to to, he's talked to them but has never taken that step forward and it shows you that Iowa State is not just some podunk university anymore it's not just the 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 team that everybody kicked around for a hundred years that it you know they get sixty thousand people there in normal years to go to these games, and they're going to find ways to pay their coaches and appreciate them. And I think that's what Iowa State did here with Matt Campbell, not only to pay him because he was the first coach in the country to volunteer to take a pay cut during the pandemic back in March, but also and more importantly to him, his staff. He's he's a selfless guy, but he feels for his staff. So he wants to make sure they're appreciated because if they are, then he is. And then he can continue to build what is an unprecedented success at Iowa state. It's uh, it really is incredible what he's accomplished at, at Iowa state. Matt Campbell has uh, beaten Oklahoma twice, uh, almost beat them a third time in the big 12 championship game. This last December um, came very close, uh, goes out, wins the Fiesta bowl, uh, in, in very convincing fashion over Oregon, a team um, that has a lot, pro, you know, that has a lot more history than Iowa State. Just a, a just an unbelievable season that they just completed in the middle of a pandemic, by the way. And they're bringing back a whole bunch of these guys uh, next year. Uh, the, Brees Hall, Brock Purdy, Charlie Kohler will all be back next year. Uh, th- this is an exciting time in Ames. It has to be. It's the most exciting time I can ever remember, and it's been building that way, really. Since um, you know, you mentioned the Oklahoma wins, and I can't overstate this enough that that was the ultimate hammer nail series in college football, in my opinion. I mean, Iowa State, what you know, going into last year, it was two thirty-seven and one, I believe, at home against Oklahoma. So it had, it hadn't beaten Oklahoma before last September since 1960 in Ames. So it was just such a one-sided series. But going back to 2017, um, you know, going back to that year, that game when they had a backup quarterback be able to win, I think it really changed the trajectory of the program and it convinced them that they can go and win against good opponents. And and that's what we've seen. I, I believe they've beaten. I know they've beaten every Big 12 team since he's been there, and I believe every one of them twice. Went to Texas to win a game this year. So for a team like Iowa State that is was such – 10 years ago you turned back the clock on the whole uh, realignment discussion. They were one of the teams that was kind of on the on the outside looking in. I mean, if, if it would have been the Pac-16, Iowa State would have been with you know the, the rest of the Big East and who knows where they would have ended up. Now, I mean, hey, they've got the third biggest stadium in the, in the Big 12, and they're filling it. And they've got donors spending more than they've ever done before. And they've got a team that's capable of competing with just about any team in the country. And so it's unprecedented, and I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but I've never, ever seen Iowa State in this position before. It's it's really, really exciting. And, and yeah, you mentioned that them beating Texas as well. Um, I I feel like we have to address the the obvious question, which is how how real is this? How 
how likely is it that Matt Campbell is still the head coach at Iowa State in 2028? I mean, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but I mean, this guy is going to have the world thrown at him by some very attractive options here in the coming years. But, but I also wonder if, I mean, you know, you look around, I mean, there are examples of guys who went to a smaller program and then just that became their home and they stayed there. I mean, obviously I'm thinking of Bill Snyder being sort of the main example of that. I mean, based on what you know and what you've seen being in that state, I mean, is that something you think is possible or, or do you think it's more likely than not that, that he ends up jumping at one of these other opportunities at some point? I think he's very content with where he is and he's driven to have success at his current location. It's hard to say what the future quite holds for him because I, I under, he understands those options and those opportunities are out there, but I think he's played himself into a situation where he can go where he wants, when he wants. And that's such a, a wonderful feeling, I suppose, in life. But, you know, he's from the Ohio area. So, you know, naturally everybody kind of looks at the blue bloods of the Big Ten, you know, an Ohio State or a Michigan, if that opened up, you know, he's a staunch Cleveland Browns fan, you know, would does the NFL really interest him? You know, 2028, that's a long time away from now. Uh, but I think one there is a parallel, and it's in, within his own state in Kirk Ferentz, because Kirk Ferentz had a similar run. Now, Iowa's had a much, you know, larger history of success. But when he started his run, it wasn't that different from what Iowa State experienced. And three straight years, they finished in the top eight in the country from 2002 to 2004. He had NFL roots, coached under Bill Belichick, was an assistant head coach with Ted Marchabrota. And at that time, all, uh, you know, a ton of NFL teams every year were coming after him and some significant college football programs. But he realized that he enjoyed his success at Iowa. And part of it is he was paid well. You know, and he was also kind of given the freedom to do what he wanted to do in Iowa City with a lot without a lot of obstruction. As we've seen, that's not always the best thing. But at the same time, Matt Campbell can build a program in, in Iowa State and own it, be the statue coach in Ames. They don't have those. They don't have the Barry Switzers or, you know, coaches like that, Bob Stoops. There's none of them. And so he's a lot more like Bill Snyder in that regard. But you know, I, I think right now he's probably looking at, hey, look what I've got coming back. I can do something special and, and unique at Iowa State. And in two years, if the opportunity's there, if Jim Harbaugh leaves and Michigan's where you want to go, great. If it's, you know, an NFL job, it's there too. But I think he's put himself in a position where he's not going to look like he's just a vagabond and that he's really – battle tested and, and done what he's needed to do for, for the Cyclones. And, and uh, I think it's healthy for him. I think it's healthy, obviously for Iowa state and for the big 12 too, because it's a fresh face, a new face and in an, in, in an energized fan base in a league that, that could always use those types of faces. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see this? 
this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight? Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's it, it's a great thing for the Big 12 that, that Iowa State is doing what they're doing. I mean, especially in an era where, I mean, Oklahoma has so thoroughly dominated the league the last several years and really for the last 20 years. But, you know, Texas hasn't really been what anybody expects them to be. Um, Baylor crept up and, and did some good things under Matt Rule and then he leaves. I mean, it's just nice that, that there are teams like that accomplishing those big things in the Big 12. Uh, and... and Going to the Fiesta Bowl and winning, I, I just that feels like such a huge thing to me that, that that they were able to achieve that. They had they had never been to a January bowl game before that, never in their history. They were one of only two, I want to say, Power Five programs that had never done that. Vanderbilt, I think, was the other that had never been to a January bowl game and they went and they won, they won a major bowl game. And that's something that whether it's a pandemic or not, it is something that nobody can take away from them. Now through the course of the year, a lot of people nitpicked at their resume, their first loss to, to Louisville or to Louisiana. I was there for it. I saw it happen. Um, I thought it was a, a weird game <laughs> to say the least, but you know, to do this and, and have that accomplishment is just that you can't take it lightly. And and then you look statistically at what they got coming back, the players, they're going to be right in the thick of things. And, uh, you know, it really, it's going to come down to, you know, a couple of things in my eyes. One, Oklahoma, bringing back all the talent it has, you know it but way better than I'll ever know it. Uh, I think they're probably the obvious favorite. Two, can Texas take that step forward and be at least a contender? And three, will anybody else kind of take that position and move forward in Oklahoma state, a, a K state under Chris Kleiman, somebody like that move forward. And then of course the schedule, how does the schedule play out? Because a lot of times who you play and where you play them and in what sequence matters the most. And, and so I don't know, as far as the schedule part of things goes to me, that's, that's really fascinating as well. And, you know, speaking of the schedule, Scott, they, they, Big 12 releases their schedule today, and then several teams released their full schedules, uh, including non-conference. And while we're on the subject of Iowa, um, last season, Iowa-Iowa State didn't happen because of the Big 10, because of the pandemic, because of all of those things. Uh, Matt Campbell has not beaten Iowa yet, despite all the great things that he's done. That's one thing he hasn't done yet. Uh, They've been painfully close. The last time it was a one-point game two years ago. Um, as someone who knows that series intimately, I mean, is that the next thing that they need to do? He, he's that he's got a he's beaten Oklahoma, he's beaten Texas, he's beaten Oregon, but he hadn't beaten Iowa. That's the ultimate red meat game for the fans and for both teams, you know, specifically for Iowa State, though. I mean, it to lose five in a row and for him to lose all four times against the Hawkeyes, it's something that really. It, they can have the greatest season, you know, and they hear it all the time. And it's a daily discussion here. They had the greatest season in Iowa, in Iowa state history. And, but you didn't play Iowa. You didn't beat Iowa. And Iowa was really good too. I mean, Iowa was six and two and arguably as good. So it would have been a great game last year. So that is something that will come up that throughout the summer. In fact, I, I don't anticipate there's been a lot of really great Cyhawk games over the years 
And in the last one he referenced uh, in 2019, College Game Day was there. It was 18 to 17. It was a, a late muffed punt that led to the win for Iowa. They were able to recover it when Iowa State was going to get the ball about midfield with a minute and a half left. And then there was a three-hour rain delay in the middle. So it was, it was a crazy day. But they've got to they've got to find a way to beat Iowa. That's what their fans want and demand now that they've reached this kind of pinnacle. That uh, they're going to want to beat them, and not only beat them, but beat them decisively. And and so uh, that's the second, traditionally the second Saturday in September. Um, it's a big week this year. It's bigger than ever because they could be you know two teams that finished in the top fifteen last year. And I would argue will be two teams that'll be very competitive in their conferences. So it's important not only to the state, but I think to the both both leagues and how the conversation could be dictated when you start to get into playoff discussion. Is there any uh, angst? Because you know I'm looking at the the schedule. The the game is scheduled for September 11th in Ames. Um, the last game was in Ames, so I guess Iowa just misses out on on their home game, right? Because of the, the way, the way the schedule <laughs> fell. I kind of wondered if they would let them play that game in Iowa city because of that, but I, I, I guess not. No, that, that was a discussion when I, when the big 10 decided to go league only first, Iowa state kind of said, all right, well, we'll get the game here. You know, again, because Iowa gave that one up and because the league gave it up and yeah, there's some angst there and, and Iowa fans are kind of ticked, but, 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 but more importantly, both leagues have synced their schedules to help both of them balance it out. So it's like, this is their nine game schedules. And so the years that Iowa state has four home games in the big 12, they get Iowa at home and then vice versa with the Hawkeyes. So that way you're not playing like six major opponents on the road in a given year. So that that's why they've done it that way. And it kind of sucks for Iowa fans, but it, 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 it's a series that not many people know how important it is because, you know, if you get at Jack Tri stadium, you can get 60,000 fans there. There will be 40, 40 to 50,000 in the parking lots that don't go to the game. It's just that big of a deal. You know, with Iowa state, there's their schedule. It's important when they play Iowa, but it's also really important. And when they play everybody else and, and last year, you know, playing Texas around Thanksgiving, playing Oklahoma twice, um, the big 12 just released its schedule. What's kind of your first initial thought, not just related to the cyclones, but holistically and specifically with, uh, with the Sooners. Yeah, you know, I very gut reaction here because, like uh, as I mentioned earlier, this this was released right before we started recording here. Um, one of the first things I noticed is how unfair this schedule is to TCU. Um, they have <laughs> nine straight games to end the year. Uh, they they do not have an open date. It doesn't appear between uh, October second or yeah, between October second when they play Texas and then uh, their regular season finale November. Uh, 27th against Iowa State. So uh, that sucks. I That's always one of the first things I look at when a, when a conference schedule comes out is who's getting screwed when it comes to the open dates. And it looks like that will be uh, the Horn Frogs this year. Um, the Oklahoma-Texas game, October 9th in Dallas, not surprised there. That's sort of when it always is, is, a, is yeah. around that time. Um, there's a lot of really intriguing non-conference games in the Big 12 this year. Uh, Texas plays at Arkansas. That's an old Southwest Conference right. rivalry that, that that could be really fun because you have a new coach at, uh, at Texas and Steve Sarkeesian. But also Arkansas is not as bad as they were just a couple of years ago. So that could actually be uh, a pretty solid game. Kansas State plays Stanford in AT&T Stadium in Arlington. 
that that could certainly be interesting. Um, and then the big one uh, that I think is the big one that I think a lot of listeners of this podcast might think is the big one. Oklahoma versus Nebraska is coming back <laughs> in Norman. Yes. How exciting is that? Now that now I know that you're not a big 12 guy typically, Scott, but that's mm. got to be a game you, you uh, you're familiar with. Oh, for sure. You know, I hear it every year on Black Friday that that uh, Nebraska fans would rather have it be Oklahoma than Iowa. So it, it's <laughs> that part of things is interesting. Uh, I, I mean, if you're knowledgeable about college football and a fan of the sport, and I am certainly, and I, I think we all are, you've got to love that for the history of the game. I mean, because those two teams are embedded to the to college football tradition. And, you know, every year playing last in the old Big Eight uh, the winner, what you know, went to the Orange Bowl. It seemed like every year, practically, except for when Colorado would peek its head in there once in a while. Um, I love it. It would be, it would be great if it was, say, you know, the last weekend of the year. Of course, you got Bedlam there now, but you know, so anytime you can play that game, I'm, I'm thrilled, and I'm glad they can do it. It's not really advantageous for Nebraska, you know, because I don't think they're they're not in the same ballpark as Oklahoma as far as competitive level goes right now. So that's going to be uh, a, a nice game for Oklahoma, I think, but still. Yeah. And, and same thing with what you mentioned about Texas and Arkansas. Those were some great games. And I always think back, I, I talked to Chuck Ninus about 10 years ago when he was kind of the interim aid or uh, commissioner of the big 12. And I asked him, I said, why didn't you ever bring in Arkansas to, to the big eight? He goes, well, we had those discussions. It just never worked out. Arkansas would have been a great member in in this league. Just yes. perfect location, style of play, fan base would have been just the best member ever. So I I love seeing the, the Longhorns and the Razorbacks. I love seeing the you know Iowa, Iowa State. You know the only one that that's missing, Mizzou and KU. Yeah, yeah, I know it. I, and I would love for to see, to see that one come back as well. You know, the interesting thing here about the Oklahoma-Nebraska game, it was played on Thanksgiving that year. Mm-hmm. In, in, well, sorry, going back 50 years. This is going to be the 50-year anniversary of the Nebraska-Oklahoma game of the century in Norman. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska won that game 35-31. to uh, Johnny Rogers, classic punt return, classic college football moment. Um, and this year... The game is going to be in September, but damn it. You know, if this year Thanksgiving, I believe is going to be on November 25th. So it would have been really cool if they could have found a way to schedule this game on the exact 50 year anniversary. But I guess that's not really possible with, uh, with, with them being <laughs> I don't different think conferences. That, right. I don't think the Nebraska, Iowa game on black Friday is going to be the game of the century, but, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and, but it's, and hey, you know what? We got the Oklahoma Nebraska uh, rematch of the game of the century. Texas and Arkansas had themselves a game of the century yes. in 1969, attended by the president of the United States in Fayetteville. So that's pretty cool too. Exactly. That's that's what's exciting. You know what? I am thrilled. We're we're spending this conversation talking about football rivalries, games to watch. We haven't mentioned the ugly word COVID yet. So. <laughs> Hopefully we can get to this point where we're looking at this schedule going, yes, yes, you know, throughout. And, uh, you know, I I look at the way things play out, you know, and one of the things with, with OU, for instance, Bedlam, you're always going to end against Bedlam in Bedlam, but Iowa State's the week before. And uh, so to me, that's kind of a, a signal that 
there's an anticipation that they could be playing. Is that too late in the year though? If they're, if they've got a chance to meet two weeks later, should that game have been played say right or right after the Texas state fair or right before it? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's always the question in the big 12 because everybody plays everybody. And there's always that chance that there's going to be a really quick turnaround rematch. Um, it, it really hasn't quite happened yet. Um, you know, Oklahoma and Baylor played in mid November, then played in early December. Um, you know, so there was that, that was somewhat close, but not, not super close. Um, maybe a three or four week break between. Um, but this is one instance where if Iowa state is and Oklahoma are both as good as I think they're going to be next year, that could certainly happen. I mean, people have always been concerned about the bedlam game being a quick back to back sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And, And that, that has come fairly close to happening in the past. Um, so I don't know. And I don't know how you balance that either, Scott, because if you, if you, if you build the schedule that way, then you're sort of pre you're in your mind at least predetermining things. Whereas, you know, I think that we should go into every season thinking, hoping that maybe Texas Tech ends up being one of the two best teams, or Baylor, or TCU. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Uh, I just wonder mm-hmm. how much they really do factor those things in versus how much they should factor those things in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's always a, a big question mark and. You know, the one interesting thing is with the Big 12 kind of as almost disjointed as it's been with broken into pieces over the years, you don't have those automatic year-end rivalry games. You know, you don't – I mean, Bedlam is there now, but as we've talked about, that used to be Oklahoma-Nebraska territory before when it went from Big 8 to Big 12. Texas-Texas A&M is not last. Kansas-Mizzou is not last anymore. So you can kind of play around with the schedule a little bit more, uh, make it a little bit more, um, you know, just that, you know, organic, I suppose. But, yeah, I mean, it's – you know, who's who's to say that – Chris Kleiman doesn't have K State in in some rare air, and then then all of a sudden, everything I just talked about it could be OU Kansas State in you know in Dallas or uh, or Arlington I should say or <laughs> or Texas could be really good, and then you have that OU Texas rematch that happened a couple of years ago that was so awesome. So anything's possible, and Iowa State is right there. I think we we look at them, we appreciate them for being a contender, but. You know, teams like that. You know, one of the one of the dangers uh, is that there are a lot of times their depth can caught, can hurt them at the wrong time. And Oklahoma and Texas could have four star who's the second teamer and four star who's the third teamer, and they don't lack for that cornerback. Iowa State's and teams like that, Kansas State probably are the ones that hey, they have a fifth year senior at cornerback who's really good but the second guy is a freshman and he's a three-star and he's not quite as up to it. So, and they can't cover the OU wide receivers. So I think this, that's what's interesting about the schedule. Yeah. And for, and, and on the Oklahoma side, one last thing about that. Uh, they, the week before they play Texas in Dallas, they play at Kansas state. And it should be noted that Oklahoma is currently on a two game losing streak to the Wildcats. The Wildcats beat them two years ago in Manhattan, beat them last year in Norman in what, Really, when the season was over, that was I think that was the one game I looked back on and went, how did that happen? 
You know, that's the best part. I mean, yeah. Iowa State, you can, I mean, they were good. That's it. That's explainable. Mm-hmm. The Kansas State one, though, is a little bit un, uh, unexplainable because it was, uh, Kansas State was missing a lot of players because of COVID protocols and, and they came into Norman and, and just whooped them uh, there, there at the end. So uh, should be interesting to see if, how up for that game uh, OU is uh, in 2021. But Scott, thank you so much for hopping on One True Pod. It was a great pleasure to have you. We'll have to have you back. I'd love to be on and I'd be glad to talk uh, whether it's Iowa state or any other game. Cause I just, I'm glad we're talking college football. Yeah. It feels like, you know, it's it, here in Iowa where I live, it, it's been minus zero for a number of days. We've had 41 inches of snow since January 1st. I'm loving the thought of hot football in early September and then games that matter in, no, in October, and November. So thank you so much for having me on. And thanks to all of you for listening, as always, to One True Pod. We'll be back throughout the offseason with updates. Until then, hope you have a great rest of your week. Mm-hmm.